This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on today's episode, a trio of great guests, starting with Kuya Jay, as he's known by his clients. Jay Adrian Tolentino is a finance educator and coach. He specializes in the Filipino community, but joined us to talk about expats in general, some of the pitfalls that he fell into, and talking about saving, budgeting, investing, even when you don't think you've got the highest income. Rachel Godfrey was on hand. She experienced burnout herself and is now on a mission to help high-performing individuals, whether it's entrepreneurs or in companies, to reach their goals without sacrificing their health and their relationships. But how? Outlining the five habits that you might need to break. And it was Dr. Sergio from Intervet who joined us live as we talked about when to take your puppy for a walk. Can cats eat olives? And addressing chronic kidney disease too. Joined now by a man on a mission, Jay Adrian Tolentino, known by the Philippine community as Kuya Jay is with us today. He's a financial coach and educator and he has been on the show before and we've brought him back because I really, really enjoyed our chat last time because you spoke so openly about what you wish you'd known, mm-hmm. where you're seeing so many people going wrong. And for anyone that wasn't able to tune in for that, can you tell us a little bit about what put you on this path as a financial educator? Hey, Helen. Thank hey. you for... <laughs> thank you for... Inviting me again. Pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, my, my path here was so, I would say, unfortunate in the beginning because I was so prone to uh, so a lot of stuff about money. Like I, would, I told you before that I only wanted to invest, but unfortunately my greed partnered with or coupled with or uh, partnered with some of my ignorance as well has led me to so many drastic mistakes about money. And when I was new... It's a long story, by the way. Is it fine? <laughs> I'll stop you. I'll just put your microphone okay. down. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. So when I was new in Dubai, um, just a few days, I came here. Some of my uh, roommates, because I used to live with so many people just to save on rent, was telling me that there's this investment, gold investment, that if you put in 4,000 dirhams in just three months, that will turn into 15,000. And I'm like... How, does, how did that happen? This sounds too good to this, be true. This sounds too good to be true. And that 15000 was the same amount of my early, early retirement when I had in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, I think this is, this is the path to wealth. <laughs> and then fast forward, after three months, all the money was gone. The company changed its name. And then I was asking the guy who offered me this investment, hey, where's our money? Where's my money? It's actually not my money. It's my parents' money because they saw the investments that originated in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And many people in the Philippines are investing as well. So he told me that, you know that investments have risks, right? And I said, yeah, but you said you'd give me the money, you'd return my money. And then until today, I never saw that money coming back to my pocket. And that's just one of the things that I uh, experienced. One other experience was... I was invited for a financial literacy uh, workshop. And then at the end of the workshop, they'd push you to, to, to buy properties. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for me, back that, during that time, I still was looking for a job. And the only money I had was my pocket money, which was, I think, roughly 3,000 dirhams. And then 
I couldn't leave that uh, that room until I leave 100 dirhams to reserve a spot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those there were some tactics that was used for me to be pressured and, okay, here's my money and then invest. So long story short, for that scenario, um, um, I invested without having a full-time job mm-hmm. using my uh, pocket money. And I was still in a relationship with my former partner and we were uh, sharing on that investment. And that is another lesson that I learned that you never invest with someone if you're just in a relationship. You're not yet married. It's going to be a very risky and Com- complicated. It's not just mm-hmm. heartaches, but also some um, headaches for, for you and uh, the other people. I think, other I think well. what both of those stories kind of bring to mind for me is just the sense of how entangled money and humanity are. You know, True. you said there, you know, about greed and i think i think that's a, a perhaps a, a harsh way of, of framing it but yeah um but you know we love the idea of a quick buck we you know it's very seductive mm. um and it's it's human nature to go oh that sounds great and maybe yeah. it will work for me maybe i will be the exception yeah. but it's also a choice to start to then educate yourself which is what you've done and over the last few years you know on, on a mission to help other people yeah. learn from your mistakes and when people are coming to you, where where are the main pain points that you're that you're mm. helping people with? Is it about their philosophy around money? Is mm. it to do with the logistics of saving or getting out of debt? What's mm. keeping you busy right now with your community, Jay? What I've realized is there are just three main common topics that people love to talk about money. It's budgeting, saving, and investing. For the last seven, eight years, I've been... Uh, promoting financial literacy for the community, it just revolves around those topics. But what I can say is that those problems were just the byproducts of things that are more important, like being not self-aware of your spending, like being um, always being influenced by other people mm-hmm. for making financial decisions for yourself. And that is where you, the usual problems arise, like for me, um, when I was a bit younger, in my 20s, I used to spend a lot on shoes. Like, um, I'd spend, I know how to budget, Helen, like 20% and he the, the rest the is 80%. But mm-hmm. the 80% goes to shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and the 20% just goes to more transportation and my, my food allowance. So that's how I budgeted my money. And then when, when I turned 30, I said, oh my God, when I look at my bank account... I had nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. And when I came to Dubai... <laughs> you were going to be little old man that lived in his shoes. <laughs> and all of my shoes were just... They turned into dust when I, when I, when I went back home and I was looking at it. And a lot of things because um, the things that I valued back then was the approval of my office mates. The status the shoes give me if I have the latest and sleekest shoe in my office, people will respect me. And I learned it the hard way that if you try to shortcut your way out of life, like you want to gain status, you want to gain respect, you want to gain whatever the good things are. And if you don't really understand what your core values are, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's a basic law of life that's just not about money. It's about everything. It's easy for you to say this now in your 30s, but for an 18-year-old listening who <laughs> like, I really want the iPhone though, Jay, I really want the iPhone. And that is the thing. I always tell my younger generations that, hey, 18-year-old Jay, if you listen to me right now, I'm 36, you'll save 18 years of your life. But please, be uh, as young as you can. 
if you can be very aware of what you really like or what your really core, what your core strengths are, mm-hmm. you focus on that and don't allow other people to influence your decisions, like your your peers, even sometimes your your your, your parents or what mm-hmm. family. That's right. You have to know who you really are. To thine own self be true. We <laughs> are going to be talking finance this afternoon. We've got Jay Adrian Teltino with us. Jay is with us today. Jay Adrian Tolentino is a financial coach and educator. And I wanted to ask, because I think it's a really important distinction to make when we're thinking about so-called financial experts and advisors who charge by... Oh, how am I going to put this without offending people? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start again. Okay. You and I both love Ramit Sethi. Yeah. Sure. Adore him. Yeah. Um, for anyone who has his, hasn't read his book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, I think it's a really good starting point in terms of financial mm. literacy. And one of his big points is basically not that many people mm. listening today are that wealthy or complicated that mm. they need a financial advisor who is going to be taking a percentage of you know, managing their wealth. Yeah. It, it really, we are not that complicated for the vast majority. It really does require a bit of self-education, mm-hmm. money management, setting up, um, you know, auto transfers. Yeah. And it's not sexy. <laughs> it's not. It's long-term, low-cost index funds. It's, bo- it's, pretty, bo- it's pretty boring. Yeah. It's pretty boring. But what he does say is sometimes you might need some expert help mm. with an advisor or a coach. And on that basis, percentage-wise, is not the fee yeah. structure to be going for. So I wondered how you work with people. Are you, do you charge by the hour, by the project, mm. and, and some of the people you're working with? I hope that's not too personal a question, but I think yeah, it would be fine. really useful. Yeah, so right now, um, if I have a paying client, I used to, it's, I, I do a three-part coaching, se- coaching sessions. So it's a fixed fee, regardless of the net worth of the person. And if it's uh, targeting about their specific problem right now and another future need as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing. And then the second is I do group coaching for those who would want to, um, let's say, because sometimes they say, my fee is too high. Well, I don't, I'm not sure. I talk about value, not price. Mm-hmm. So that's my game. And if you feel that it's, it's a bit high, then you can share the session with some five of your friends, probably. We'll do a group session. Well, it's and funny because we had a message from Jack saying, this guy sounds great. Oh, wow. He Thank is, you. He is. Um, I'm saying, does, does he offer any courses? I've got some Filipino staff and would mm. love to offer some financial education to them. Is that yeah. something you do in terms yeah, of going I into workplaces? Because um, for companies, I make sure that the course, course or the workshop is tailored fit to the needs of their employees. Uh, it's not something that I just download on the internet no, and then, no. hey, give to this. No, it doesn't work that way. Okay. I need to understand the needs of the employees so I can tailor fit the entire session for them. Now, something you spoke about last time, um, mm. which was about, specifically in the Filipino community, people sending too much money home. Mm. And it's really stayed with me. And I wondered if you could explain that a little bit more for yeah. anyone that couldn't tune in last time, Jay. Yeah, for sure. That is uh, one, of the main, uh, uh, one of the main reasons I'm doing coaching is because not just Filipinos, but other expats, they send money back home, remittances. And unfortunately... Is it unfortunate or fortunate? Well, it's something that many of us want to do for our families, right? But, uh, but sometimes, if you overdo it, 
we leave nothing for ourselves in the future. I'll share a story of I'll share a story of an overseas Filipino in Saudi who was sending so much money during his heydays. He sent a huge amount of money back home to his family, and the time came when he's no long he's old and could no longer work, and the people that he helped vanished. And you know where he is now? He's homeless in 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 a park somewhere in in the Philippines because he wasn't able to build something for himself. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to your program a while ago. It's about the love languages, right? Mm-hmm. Love is such an abused word <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. and people might. Say that if you'd love me, then you, you buy me this, you buy me that. Send me this amount of money if you really love me. But um, oftentimes, if we don't know how to control um, the way we spend and help others, then it's going to ruin us for sure. And if you're someone who's really conscious about your finances, really aware that uh, you understand the importance of it, you know how to say no, and you would set boundaries as well so that both the parties, you and your loved ones, won't be in a dire situation in the future because people depend on your money. Mm -hmm. And if you yourself go in debt, then the entire family crashes down. Mm -hmm. One more story, Helen. I was coaching this, uh, one of my clients, we're still coaching her. Um, She had this windfall from an insurance company company because she was diagnosed of cancer. It was huge money. She said, that's the biggest money that I've ever had in my life. So she scheduled, a, she took my services. And when we were running down her expenses, I was telling her, where is this 50% coming from? Where, where is this going? I mean, she said, I'm supporting two of my cousins fully. I mean, the cousins still unemployed here. Mm-hmm. And I said, why are you doing this? Why are they unemployed? <laughs> why are they unemployed? And then they said, well, something happened in a job and they couldn't find work, so they depend on me. And all. It's like 50%, right? And then I told her, you're in a dire situation for yourself and you're still overextending. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, her, monthly ex, her monthly cash flow is negative because of her overextending. And I told her, we cannot move forward in this coaching program. I cannot help you if you do not address the situation right now. And um, one or two months after, she said, okay, I, I, had, I finally made the decision to talk to my uh, relatives and they understood my situation. And then guess what, Helen? After that conversation, her cousins found a job. Mm, funny that, necessity driving you to actually start working. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, People, again, it comes back to human nature. If people can take the easy route and people yeah. can be supported by sitting on their backsides, they most likely will. And you're just enabling that. Exactly. You're not empowering them. Yeah. And if you think that this, is, this situation is crippling you, it's very common. Very common that family issues and money issues are always binded together. It's a complicated mix. It is. But it's something that you really have to... You, it's a conversation you need to have. You'd rather have that embarrassing and awkward conversation now than suffer in regret in the future. Exactly. And you can't look after others 
until you're looking after yourself. Message yeah. here saying, charity begins with ourselves. Lots of exactly. people asking for your details, Jay. So if you yeah. want to send me the word Jay, I will send you uh, Kia Jay's details. Um, <laughs> yeah. As I said, talking about you know group coaching there, coming into works as well. But it's also your chance to ask any questions live on the show today. And you can be anonymous if you prefer. We are going to be going to the text line next. We're going to have a bit of a quick fire money clinic. We're talking money matters on the show this afternoon with J. Adrian Tolentino. He's a financial coach and educator. We've just been talking about working in the Filipino community, but really advice for, for all expats here yeah. in the UAE. Can we talk about emergency funds? Sure. What is your definition of that? And mm-hmm. how do we work out what needs to be in that pot? Plus, where should we put it, Jay? Okay. So emergency funds are is the fund that you only use for emergency. It's not for an emergency sale. It's not, not my, it's not that I really want that iPhone. It's not for an iPhone. Maybe you can put up an iPhone fund, <laughs> save it for two years if you can. Okay, Emergency funds usually is consisting of uh, three to six months worth of your monthly expenses. So um, if something happens like you need to fix your car, you fix your uh, – the, the sink is there, – there's some problem with the sink, you, you, you use that. Or you, you lose your job for – for quite some time, and then you also uh, get on. If you become ill temporarily, you, you use that money okay. because again, you need to pay for some of the bills, right? And you should be able to access this. You yeah. might have this amount, but it shouldn't be in your investments. It should yeah, be, sure. so it has find, to be separate. finding an account with a, with a good interest rate yeah. savings account. Yeah, sure. that would be the place to put yeah. it. You can okay. put it. To the text line we go. Okay. We've had lots of messages on 4001. And we've got an anonymous message saying, how do we budget when there are so many unexpected mm. expenses, school trips, new tyres, etc.? Is that the kind of thing that would come out of the emergency fund or mm-hmm. do you have a kind of a sink fund that you might have yeah. instead? Yeah, you, you, you use the right term there, like a sinking fund. Like sinking funds are the things that you, um, you know you're going to spend on in the next three, four or 12 months. And then you divide it depending on the number of months you need it, right? So um, if it's, you need 9000 in the next three months and you save 3000 for it every month, right? Just to make sure that you have something budgeted for it. And um, those are actually expected expense, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that you break it down on a monthly basis so that it's not that to taxing when you try to Yes, uh, so I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't mind kind of sharing what I do. Sure. I think it's quite interesting. I, I find it really interesting to hear about what other people do, so I don't know if this is useful. So I, when I get paid, I, I do the good thing. I pay yeah. myself first. I've got automated um, kind of payments that go into my investments. Mm-hmm. I have an automated payment that goes into my emergency fund, mm. and then I put some money, depends on what's, what's coming in and what's going out, mm. into exactly like a sinking fund, which is like another savings account that might be for things like dentist, tires. Yeah. I've just paid 1,200 dirhams for a, a two-night school trip. Mm. Um, you know, thing, things like that. And then I kind of have my money that I'm okay to play. Oh, I have a holiday pot fund yeah. as well. You <laughs> need a vacation let's say, pot. Let's say the, the, the Christmas season is right around the exactly. corner, right? So many Many Filipinos <laughs> go in debt because Christmas of this. Christmas started now for Filipinos. And yeah, September is the, start of, is the start of Christmas. And unfortunately, after Christmas, they're so heavily in debt. Come New Year, they're heavily in debt for that next quarter or so. And um, that is why as early, the earlier you plan for holiday spending, the better it is for your finances. Because for sure, you need... Like for my wife and I, we've already set aside some uh, funds for our gifting. So... It's 
for sure that we're gonna spend on. There's no guilt in spending on those things because you plan for it mm-hmm. and you uh, want to make sure that you're intentional in uh, spending that amount. Then, regardless if you spend like five thousand and giving it away, if you if you really wanted to give it away. Then there's no guilt as long as you saved up for it. Okay, so I need to start a Christmas pot as well. Okay. <laughs> um, Don's saying, Hi both. We've recently downsized and moved mm. areas to save on rent, but we're miserable. I just want to say that sometimes it's worth spending a little bit more for your happiness. <laughs> it's true. It's very, re- very relevant to me right now. You know what? Um, our rent just spiked from 48K to 55. And then my wife and I was uh, checking for John two mm-hmm. weeks ago. We found this. A uh, nice spot. It's like they, they're offering it for thirty-eight thousand, one bed, and then, wow, this is this is so cheap. <laughs> and then we found another one like forty-five, and then some is fifty. Still lower than what we were expected to pay for renewals. Now, when we went home, we realized that hey, we have such a good space here. The space is so big for 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 the price that we're paying. And then I told my wife, okay, let's run the numbers because we're just talking, and I think this is this is what we should do. And then, this is what you call mental math, right? You run your numbers in your head and you think, hey, this, 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 this looks reasonable. We can, move. we can move next month. We can, we can, uh, we can uh, pay for the reservations. And then I told her, okay, let's slow down. Let's put it on writing and run the numbers. And then we were surprised when we ran the numbers. Okay, what are the spend- expenses that we are going to uh, be doing? So we'll be paying for ag- an agent's fee We'll be paying for uh, people to move our stuff. And then when we check the bottom line, the, the total, it's more expensive moving out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we decided that, hey, we were expecting a child in, uh, on February. And Maverick. Thank That's you. Yeah. And, it's, um, and we considered the amenities around our area. There's a small park there. And in Furjan, no hate on Furjan, okay? But <laughs> don't come at us. <laughs> yeah, when when I looked on the balcony outside the balcony, it's it's all sand, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, it's it's something that uh, we really should consider because it can affect our mental health as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly that, exactly yeah. that. We can, we did something similar actually. We, we've, mm-hmm. we've taken our kids off the school bus because it was taking so so long. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, well, maybe we should look at sharing a driver with a, with a couple of other families. And we, we ran the numbers. And actually, it's not cheaper to mm. have this really lovely guy bring the kids home. And he's, I just want to be very clear, he's on a legitimate visa. We've hired a car for him. Everything's above board. Um, but what we do get is peace of mind that the kids yeah. are going to be coming home in a quick amount of time. I'd rather that, that he had the salary rather than me giving it to this company. You know, but it, mm. sometimes it's not just about the bottom line. Sometimes mm. it's about that quality of life, as, as Dom's saying. You know, you might be saving money, but you might not be happier overall. Um, we've had a message. Oh, sorry. I just want to add something. Tell me. For uh, rent uh, expenses, um, if you want to, if you want to put a number on it, make sure that it's not more than 30% of your monthly income mm-hmm. so that you know that this is still a healthy um, expense. 30 to 33% max. I'm going to run some numbers during <laughs> the news. A message here saying, my question is, when should we start giving pocket money to my 11-year-old? I'm pretty sure she's going to be spending all the money by eating junk and candies. Right, let me tell you, I am a mum of two kids who could not be more different on the financial <laughs> front. The older one, it's like getting blood from a stone. She does not want to spend a single oh. dirham. The youngest one will buy 
any old garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like she sees a sequin or like, you know, a, a cuddly unicorn. She's like, just take all my money. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it will come down to the child yeah. and how you've talked about money. Exactly. Um, what I would also say is, depends on how you, so we use the Leap app, the mm. L-E-A-P. So I have, it automates, again, out of my account is pocket money mm-hmm. for the kids. They get a debit card that's linked to Mashrik and Visa. Um, and then they can spend. But in that, they also can have a savings pot, a spending mm. pot, and they kind of get it. Cash versus digital, yeah. I think it's a bit of a personal decision. Well, where, where do you stand on that? Yep, I, I think uh, for, ch- for children, I'd rather teach first the values. Mm-hmm. Like the important values around money is gratitude, generosity, and self-awareness. Those are just some of the important things because if the kids... Regardless if they have money or not, they know what to do with life. Like, even if they have a small amount of money, they can still try to give to others in a small way, mm-hmm. but still would leave them feel that they have enough. Because I think society right now is teaching us that you are not enough. All the things that you own is not enough for you. You need to acquire more and more and more. And what I'm telling people is you need to understand what enough is for you. And if it's something that your child understands, when that child grows up, that's the same kind of attitude that she's, he or she's going to teach other people in their society. Now, in terms of um, cash, um, I think kids should learn how to use cash first because in uh, behavioral finance, there's this what you call um, loss aversion. You can, the, the, the pain of losing money is twice, you, you feel it twice than getting money. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you pay something physically, you can see it and you can feel that, okay, um, my budget is like 100 dirhams every month and I'm already down to my 50 and I still have like two weeks to go. And I can, that, that child will say, okay, I need, to, I need to save up. And sometimes you only make that mistake once or twice. Yeah, so true. it might be worth testing the waters. Yeah. This um, now, you've had Marilyn Pinto on your podcast mm. before and I think her book, Smarter, Richer, Braver, was, is a really good read for, it's aimed at teens and young people, but I think parents mm. should read it as well. Jay, we've run out of time. Um, ah. Thank you. I know. I know. I even what? ditched a song for you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Um, hey, as we said, you know, you work with individuals, with couples, mm. with groups, with corporates as well. So if you want Jay's details, just send me the word J or the letter J. I will send you his website you could, so you can find out more. And some really great free ro- resources on there yeah. as well. And just an all-round lovely guy. That's, <laughs> that's my parting words to you. Um, thank you so much for being Thanks, with Helen. us. We've had in the studio this last hour. Um, education, educational expert, financial coach, Jay Adrian Tolentino. If you want his details, send me the word Jay and I will hook you up. I guess we're talking about success on the show this afternoon and what that can look like and maybe some of the things we need to sacrifice to reach where we think we need to get to. We're reframing today with Rachel Godfrey. She's the co-director of Chase Life Consulting. And she's all about providing strategic mindset, performance consulting to entrepreneurs, professionals, and, and really acknowledging what I think is so often neglected, this roller coaster that so many people find themselves on, about being a high performer, high pressure situations, dealing with overwhelm, but not sacrificing your personal life and your health. And I think this is something that's going to resonate with so many people, Rachel, when we think about this hustle hard culture that so many of us want to get involved in because of the financial gains, but might be leaving and losing a bit of ourselves along the way. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I think we have to look at this as a little bit more of a paradigm shift because we are seeing so many people now who are 
professionally so successful, but personally not so. Um, you know, to the point where we've got clients who are in a complete state of abysmal health, emotionally, physically, mentally. So we're talking bodies are a ticking time bomb, their relationship also. Relationship, you know, the, it, we have clients where they turn around and say, well, everything's great at work, but my spouse hates me and my children don't know me. And so that is oh a really big problem. God. And it's something that nobody's really addressing. And I think, you know, when you are a high achiever, you have this innate thing in you. And that's all I can say. It's just this thing in you. It's this drive. It's this, this passion, this power that you want to do well. You want to, to do better and be better and have impact in the world. And that is sometimes at the detriment of your health, but it doesn't have to be. Oh, it's really, it's really hard because I would imagine it's such a difficult shift once you recognise that because, as you're saying, many of these people are successful. They're doing what they're good at professionally and then might come home and are doing something that they're not necessarily that good at. And then you get into whole ideas about identity, about self-worth, mm. and then it starts to get really complicated to try and extricate. So... Can we talk about you before we start solving some of the problems that might be... We've already had messages coming in on this topic, by the way. Tell us a little bit about your own background, Rachel, and what led you to this role. Well, I actually started my career as a physio in the NHS um, over 20 years ago now. Talk about high-pressure environments. Uh, it was extremely high-pressure. Um, I was actually working in ICU as a junior physio, and I really enjoyed my time there, but there was just something in me that just didn't sit right. And... As I now know, I'm actually what I would call clinically unemployable, meaning that when you are an entrepreneur, you just want to do new things, create new things. And that's what lights you up. It lights up your soul. It lights up your spirit. And that's not to say working for somebody else can't bring that out of you. A lot of the times it can, especially in today's day and age where we've got amazing work environments, it can. But for me, 20 years ago, I, I just saw this, you know, vision of what I wanted to do. And I was like a bull at a gate of, well, I'm going to do it my way. And so I got into, I basically moved down to Australia. And it was one of those things that I was kind of running away from my problems. So all through school, through university, I was really struggling with perfectionism. And this is something that um, I had been conditioned to it was one of those things that I thought that perfectionism meant high standards and overachieving. And I was getting my self-worth from being what we call a human doing. Mm -hmm. So rather than being a human being, it's a human doing. So super goal orientated. Absolutely. Like financially orientated, goal orientated. It was if I wasn't achieving, I felt lazy. And the worst um, the worst thing that somebody could turn around and say to me is, you're lazy. Like that, that to me would have been literally a knife in the heart. Mm. So that was one of the things that was driving me. Um, and I found that struggling with perfectionism, which is actually the antithesis of high performance, right? Because it's an impossible standard <laughs> to meet. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. And it's also one of those things that tasks take 10 times as long as they should do. And you learn, it teaches your brain to actually hate what you're doing. So I have lost out on so many opportunities over my career because of my perfectionism and struggling with the idea of, oh my God, this is going to take so much time. I just, I cannot cope with the stress of taking that on. And then presumably the toll it took on your mental health. Where, of course. Where did it get you? Well, I had built a fairly successful business owner in Australia um, as in the fitness industry and 
my business took off in probably, I think it was like 2012, 2013. So it was long before the days where, you know, online fitness was a big thing. Um, And I actually started my career just posting videos of lifting weights on YouTube. And I had a lot of ladies asking, well, how can I lift weights too and be, you know, fit, healthy and strong and, and not look quote unquote bulky because there was this real stigma back then about if you're a woman in a lifting weights, then you're going to end up bulky. And that is a complete misnomer. That is absolutely not true. And so I found myself in the throes of a, you know, a really scaling business. But this, this perfectionism and this insecurity in me was growing and growing the more pressure that I had the more decisions that I was having to make, this is becoming more and more evident. Um, I actually ended up giving myself adrenal fatigue and a whole heap of hormonal imbalances. I was basically just so stressed and burnt out. But when you're in burnout and when you are stressed, you cannot see it. It's like being in a forest and somebody says to you, oh, can you see that tree over there? And you're like, what tree? I can't see any trees. And all you see and feel is this dark cloud it's so heavy it's like walking around with sunglasses on all of the time everything is so stressful and you feel at any moment the straw can break the camel's back we're going to find out what happened next we've got rachel godfrey in the studio today rachel godfrey is in the studio she's the co-founder of chase life consulting she's been talking about how her endless quest for perfection Got a in in a bad physical way, Rachel, and I think it takes it takes a big moment for you to go. This is not working for me. You had adrenal failure. You know, my goodness. You know, when your body starts telling you, how did you start to make the switch yourself, and how are you relaying that learning to to clients now? So it was it was adrenal fatigue. So basically, that's where your you're so stressed, your metabolism is working so hard to try and pump all of this cortisol into your body and you get to the stage where there's very little cortisol left. Um, So it was one of those things where I managed to sort of get myself out of it, but quitting was not an option. And that's the thing that a lot of people face when they're in burnout or they're in a job that they hate Mm -hmm. or they're running a business that they're spinning a thousand plates and they think, oh my God, but if I stop, all of this is going to come crashing down around me. And I think there's also this idea, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur, is that I'm three years down the line. Mm. If I quit now, what were those three years for? And that's a, that's a big decision. It's also very complicated when you don't like your job um, in a country like the UAE, where your existence of living in the mm. UAE is tied to your job and your visa and you know all of that. We were talking about mental health and men in particular on the show yesterday. And a lot of people reaching out, talking about that pressure to earn to save, to succeed. I think one of the big things, particularly over here in the UAE, obviously it's Dubai, Abu Dhabi, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. And the reality is, is that when you first arrive, it's all fun and games. You know, you go into your Saturday brunches and you've got Dubai Mall and you're seeing all of this, so many Lamborghinis and Ferraris and you know, you've got 5G wagons on your street. And you get carried away of like, this is, if you think that you have to play this game too. And the truth is you really don't. You can be really smart with your money here and you can still have a good time as well yes you can work hard play hard but it's what's aligned and for you you know if you're here with your spouse and you're in your early 20s and you want to go play go play get after it and just put you know just keep putting money aside but the reality is is also if you're in your you know your mid-30s and you've got young children you know 
the game is now different. Mm -hmm. It is. We've had a message here. Um, in fact, we've got a number of questions, but this isn't more of a, an experience shared on 4001 saying, I was in a dream job that allowed me great opportunity, money, promotion. It required me to be away four days a week for my wife and six-year-old. One day, I come home to find a picture of my family, my boy Drew with his mum and, and him, without me. I asked, why didn't he draw me? He said, you are never there. Those words still ring in my ears. On the bright side, I spoke to my boss about it. He made changes and got me back to Dubai. I mean, that's that big moment, <sighs> isn't it? I know, I just got goosebumps. Just like heartbreaking, is it? You know, as a, as a mother of a three and a five-year-old. Um, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I get I it for my kids now. You yeah, know, it's you, and I, it's really hard because I don't really believe that work-life balance is actually that possible. No, no, it's it, well. The, this is the thing: like work-life balance is not always possible. I believe you can have it all, but not all at the same time. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, and if this this guy's really lucky. You know, his boss is really supportive and has changed that. So this, what a blessing! Mm -hmm. You know, for his child to show him, hey, daddy, you're heading down the wrong path, mm -hmm. um, which is which is such a blessing. But you know, you really. Uh, you know, in my career, I want, you know, I had my first child in 2018 and I put the business into maintenance mode. And that was actually through one of those things of on reflection. You know, I thought having a baby, oh, it'll be easy. You know, I can oh. still, I can still do this, this and this. And it, I realized very quickly, only eight weeks in, I actually cannot do this. Well, it's funny you should say that because I, I was working as a magazine editor at the time when I had my first daughter and I was, you know, you know, it's a monthly magazine. I'm in the rhythm and the groove. I've, mm. you know, I've got contacts and I love what I do. And then you put a baby in your arms and go, I don't know what I'm doing. And this idea of, you know, where do I get my self-worth from? What, who am I now? And we've just had a message here saying perfectionism and burnout are also high amongst stay-at-home mums. Oh, Str completely. Totally. Mm. Striving to keep up with the kids, the ECA, the best friends, the best this, the best that. It's exhausting and it all takes its toll on the health. And I think that's a, such a good distinction that we think about burnout being, you know, corporate and briefcases and boardrooms. And it's not. It can exist in in, it, it does not discriminate. It really, really doesn't. Absolutely not. And it's all about how we see things. So burnout is your responsibility. It's about you and who you are and who you're being on the inside. And we've got all of the externals. Um, my boss is putting too much pressure on me. Um, you know, the dog ate my homework. My kids are driving me crazy. My son isn't putting his shoes on for school. That was mine this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Plucked out of nowhere, this example. I, I know. I can, I can give you a thousand <laughs> examples of just this morning's school run. Um, but, you know, the truth is it's like how we're actually doing life. And so obviously perfection is a big one. We talked briefly about the human doing. So where your, your worth is related to how much you're busy and achieving. This is a really big one that we see in mums. Um, the incessant need to have a perfect house. That's another one. I mean, I think we, you know, we could all do ourselves a favour and just, you know, if there's a bit of mess on the floor, I mean, it, it, does it really matter? I know, I know. You mean, uh, it's, it's easier said than done. Um, I don't want to chuck social media under the bus here, but it definitely doesn't help. The, you know, that, that comparison piece, it really doesn't. Um, Rachel, I want to go to the text line. But we've had a message here saying, I started a new role earlier this year. It was a promotion, but within a different department. From day one, it's been a disaster. No induction, met colleagues via teams, some of which never turned up, didn't get a handover. I expressed how I was feeling to my boss who said, give it six months, things will start to make sense. It's been five months now. I'm so overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, I'm tearful. The thought of going into work and feeling like I've got no idea what I'm doing makes me want to scream. It's an unrealistic workload. And to borrow Rachel's phrase, I feel like I'm spinning plates all the time. I am competent in my old role as at the top of my game. But here I feel lost and helpless. I don't know how to fix this mess. 
Did Rachel feel like this and how did she overcome it? Oh, absolutely. I felt like that. And, I, you know, it's, it's almost like it feels like it's on the outside, like we talked about. It feels like that I'm not being supported. Um, all of this work is being thrown at me. I have no idea what I'm doing. But honestly, this really still comes back to extreme ownership of, OK, so where am I responsible here? And I'm, I, you know, I always lead with compassion because I know how hard it is to be in that situation. But and it's hard to ask for help. I, oh, absolutely. And I ask for help way too late. And so do many clients. So I think, you know, it's to have that courage to ask for help early on is really important. But you're clearly not being supported here. So I think when it comes to people pleasing, which is another one that, you know, high achievers do people please, because sometimes it's one of those things where you say yes and you really mean no. And it's Don't easy- look at me like that. Helen <laughs> <laughs> <Hello>, Farmer. <laughs> but people pleasing is one of those things that you, you fear rejection. And you end up staying in a job like that because you think, okay, well, there's, there's an end game here because my boss has said six months. So I'm going to hang on there, hang on in there because I said that I would do it for six months. And at the same time, you're being walked all over and you're allowing, you're allowing this situation to occur and allowing this situation to happen. So what I would suggest is that we always have to come back to two things. The first thing is your relationship with yourself and self-worth. Now, so many high achievers and successful people do not resonate with the word self-worth. If you had told me that I was lacking self-worth when I was outwardly very confident 10 years ago, I would have walked out the door. So what we do is we use language that is the client's language. And so that might be things like I was competent before. What is wrong with me? I I feel like I've just imprisoned myself because it is essentially your own prison because you're willingly putting yourself in that situation and so when you recognize that you're making your self-worth conditional right now on achieving certain things so for some people it's when I lose x amount of weight when I earn this money when I look this way when I achieve this job when when I I get this partner whatever when I whatever it is Mm -hmm. you're making it conditional which you know we don't look at a child and say things like well tidy up and then I'll love you. You're going to love them anyway. And when a lot of high achievers hear that and they say, well, if I learn to love and accept myself just as I am, then I'm going to become complacent and drop the ball. And that's a complete, that's completely untrue. Because now you're free when you love and accept yourself as who you really are at your core and you're truly radically authentic, you're free to chase the right things for the right reasons. This doesn't sound like the right job. No. (laughs) We are going to stay with Rachel Godfrey next. We're going to be looking at and unpacking further those five bad habits that high performers struggle with. We've touched on them briefly, but I want to get get to grips with them. Brianna wants to know Rachel's thoughts on trends like lazy girl work on TikTok and quiet quitting. And anonymous message here asking, what if it's your spouse experiencing burnout? Can't move jobs, but I want to support them. That's coming your way. The co-director of Chase Life Consulting is in the studio, Rachel Godfrey. She's been talking about her own burnout and now works with high-performing individuals, whether that is in within companies or need entrepreneurs, high-stake environment, high-pressure situations, those who might be dealing with overwhelm. How to continue to be, quote-unquote, successful without sacrificing health, without sacrificing personal relationships and mental health as well? Um, We've got five habits we're going to be identifying now, Rachel. These are the five bad habits that high performers struggle with that might serve them in the early days until they don't. 
Absolutely. And this is the big thing about success and high performers is that they have this, these very unique traits that in the beginning absolutely do serve and almost like set them up on this like amazing trajectory in their life, in their business, in their career, but will be the, the glass ceiling and if not be the absolute downfall of their mental, emotional health and actually sometimes their career because so many of our clients end up quitting um, you know, downsizing and all of which are horrendous options mm-hmm. when you are a driven high performer. So one of the ones that we've already talked about, obviously, is perfectionism. You know, this is the absolute antithesis of high standards. Everything t- takes 10 times longer than it needs to. And you're training your brain to hate what you're doing. You also then can project that perfectionism onto those around you. So whatever your colleagues or indeed mm-hmm. your family members do just isn't good enough for you. Absolutely. And then you feel like you're surrounded by idiots. And when actually that's really unfair because a lot of people are trying really hard and you have got these impossible standards that you can't even meet. And the thing is, is that when you're you're struggling with perfectionism, you're always looking for what's not wrong. Now, if you look for what's not wrong, obviously you're going to find something. Confirmation bias is real. Exactly that. (laughs) So that is definitely probably one of the biggest ones. Uh, The second one, obviously, we talked about previously is the human doing. So this incessant needs to be busy, achieving or overachieving and to make yourself feel like you are worthy. And this is something that is a complete blind spot for many of us. We don't realize that we're doing it, but it is a really common trait in high performers. Mm, it's something I definitely struggle with. I used to struggle with it too. And it's why I can sit here and, and you know talk about these things as if they were still real, because I remember what it used to feel like. Mine sometimes even translates to leisure time. I don't find yes. it easy to relax. Mm. And I think a lot of that, and I'll be completely honest, is a bit of working mum guilt. I feel like at the weekend, I'm like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go, 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 go. And even just last weekend, we were supposed to go camping, but the weather was foul. So we cancelled it. So we had two days with not much to do. And I was like, oh, so weekends are supposed to be for resting in recovery from the working week oh i get it and where's creativity born creativity is born in sometimes boredom Mm. and i think this is a really big shift that we've actually implemented my husband and i david you know we we work together live together and people will say well how do you you know live and work with your spouse it's actually really easy when your values and your goals are so aligned and we're both complete introverts as well so he has his office i have my office and we you know we don't talk to each other all day <laughs> um secrets of a happy marriage um, <laughs> that and separate bathrooms it, I'd exactly like to or the or the dual sinks you know you never want to share a sink <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that we've done is actually allow the children to be bored on the weekends, because Mm. particularly here in the UAE, it is so easy to entertain yourself and always be doing something. And that doesn't allow your parasympathetic to just kick in and chill and relax. But, you know, when your self-worth is driven by doing, performing and overachieving, that feeling of doing nothing makes you feel lazy and therefore inherently not worth anything. I, I don't want to blame my mother for this. It's not, mm. it's not the psychology show, but that was like the big thing in our house when yep. we were growing up. Couldn't watch TV during the day. You know, you're wasting time. Like, go, 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 go. And it's taking a lot for me to go, it's okay just to sit and read a book on yeah. a Saturday afternoon. I think our cohort was was really sort of conditioned that way. And I think, you know, sometimes in maybe today's day and age, I think we need to kind of bring that back, you know, bring mm. that fire back a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, number three is overthinking. Mm. Tell us about this, Rachel. So overthinking and overanalyzing is such a big one. This is asking endless what-if questions. Now, the thing is, is that the human brain is conditioned to want certainty. 
But life, by definition, is wildly uncertain. Is this why the pandemic was messed with so many people's heads? So many. I mean, it, you know, we uh, listen. I think routine is great. Routine is great, and we should be planning, but not over planning. Because we can't control the uncontrollables. You know, life by definition, like I said, is uncertain. The answer to everything in the future is honestly, I don't know. And so this is where this plays into the relationship that you have with yourself, knowing who you are, what you stand for and where you're going in life. Because when you're certain in yourself, it's a lot easier to weather the storm of life. Mm -hmm. Be adaptable. Mm -hmm. I was just telling a pregnant friend about this recently. I was like, I love that you have a birth plan. I love that. (laughs) I had one too. However, <laughs> yes. I just don't want you to set yourself up for failure and disappointment. Mm. Just, so my birth plan, I know we're talking about work, but you know it does apply to other this areas. <laughs> yeah, I was like, trust the doctor. That's it. <laughs> Completion addiction. Tell us mm. more, Rachel Godfrey. So completion addiction is actually a term that David, my husband, came up with. So obviously he's co-director of the company as well. And David's really good at coming up with these you know, little taglines. So completion addiction is this incessant need to complete all tasks on your list. Now, if you're anything like the former me, and so I'm just looking at you now thinking, I know, I know this is going to be you having a list of a thousand things that are just never ending. Mm-hmm. It's on my phone. And the, the truth is, especially if you're a busy mom, and you've got a very busy brain and you like to do things to a high standard, that list is, is never ending. And so with completion addiction, what you're chasing is the rush of the feeling of tick done because it does feel glorious when it's done. However, give it two seconds later and your, your inbox is full of a thousand emails um, and then the cycle starts again. But we can look at this also on a macro scale. So for example, if we're working with clients who are in finance or you know, we had a client... Um, about two years ago, um, he was taking his company's IPO. He was going through a round of uh, raising funds. Like this takes months and months and months. And he literally could not stop thinking about the project, even though his workday was done and there was technically no nothing left to do. And again, this comes from this place of needing certainty. So this is where we have to build relationship with self and relationship with the future. And last, but definitely not least for many people, I'm sure listening today, people pleasing when you say yes, but you mean no. Can you give us a few kind of quick tips on how to fix this? Absolutely. You have to be ruthless with your time management and ruthless with your boundaries. Now, I would usually actually say I actually don't like boundaries. For me personally, they feel um, quite restrictive. But I think boundaries are an amazing teaching tool for somebody to start to learn and give them space to then do the work to learn about who they are, what they stand for and where they're going in life and to really work on that that core self-worth and removing all of these conditions that they're just conditions. Like there is no truth in you have to be um, earning this much money. You have to have this in savings. You have to look this way. Like this is all nonsense. Like we need when we strip it all back. It's about being healthy, happy, settled and fulfilled. And yes, you know what? Money can give you freedom, but it won't buy you happiness. I want to go to the text line. We've only got a couple of minutes um, left. Um, message here saying, bringing it back to burnout. Any advice if it's your spouse experiencing burnout? Can't move jobs, but I want to support. This is hard. This is hard. It's it? a really hard It's almost one. another topic for another day. But it, what would your what what did you find helpful when you were going through this? And, and what advice would you give this? Listener? I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Okay, well, well let's, let's just look at both. And we'll just look at the female, male, female dynamic. And, you know, this, this can work both ways. But as a general w- rule, women want to feel seen and heard. And men need to feel powerful. And that's not to say that men don't need to feel seen and heard. A lot of the time they do. 
but their big thing is feeling powerful. So if you are a woman and your spouse doesn't like their job and they're in this situation and are extremely burnt out, what can you do to make him feel empowered and powerful? Because a lot of the time he's not going to want to come home and tell you about his day. Like that's what women do. Sometimes men do. And I do think that men need to talk more. But allowing him that space to, you know, offload, fine, allow him that. But he doesn't need to do that in order to, you know, put himself in a powerful situation. Mm -hmm. If it's a woman, she probably wants to feel seen and heard. And men, if you're listening to this, she does not want a solution. All right. <laughs> uh-huh. I've I've had many a discussion around 90% of marriageable disputes could be solved by do you want to listen or do you want me to fix it? Absolutely. And I just I think it's as simple as saying to your you know saying to your spouse I come to David and I say I'm just going to offload right now. I do not want a solution. I just want to feel seen and heard and I just need to get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just not a long dear. That's, yeah. But it's true. You know in in mm. terms of you know this is this is what I need from this conversation. Absolutely. And, and that is it. Last question is from Kath saying thank you so much for this. I'm doing a lot of work with a counselor. I've identified a lot of what you're talking about today. Does Rachel have any self-help book or podcast ideas? So any resources any further reading or listening that you like mm, well i we've got our own podcast we've got the chase life podcast and that's available on itunes and spotify and we cover a whole range of topics we got dive into detail on perfectionism we've talked about overwhelm we've talked about people pleasing everything that we talked about today we go into detail on the podcast um and in terms of books there are so many i think you know my favorite book would be Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. These are two Navy SEALs who wrote this book and it is honestly amazing and life-changing if you want to take full and extreme ownership of your life and full responsibility and empower yourself to move forward. Love it. Guys, thank you so, so much. Rachel Godfrey's in the studio today. Master saying money doesn't buy happiness, but it can buy you a boat. Well... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. That's very true. And everyone does love a boat. Uh, what I would say <laughs> is having friends that own boats, the best days of your life exactly. when you buy it and when you sell it. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? So you can find me on Instagram at the Rachel Godfrey, or you can check us out on our website, www.chaselifeconsulting.com. If you want to send me the word chase, I will send you those links. Thank you so, so much. Real food for thought. And thank you for all the insights you've been offering up to listeners this so afternoon. Much. You're listening to Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, where the number one ingredient is always high quality salmon, lamb, turkey and chicken. Joining us live in the studio from Intervet, Dr. Sergio is here. How are you, sir? Hi, guys. Nice to have you with us. Um, yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out because I got a message on my Instagram earlier. And unfortunately, this is the second missing dog I've heard about in the last week or so. So um, a dog called Mike, a golden retriever, went missing from Hesse Street at about 6 a.m. this morning. So please just be alert around and if you see anything you can message me on 4001 uh, he's microchipped um, and I know the owners would be hugely hugely grateful for any leads that you might find um, Dr Sergio we're talking chronic kidney disease in animals today this is actually an issue close to my heart because our dog is on a renal diet um, mm-hmm. I don't really understand why um, this has happened so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about symptoms detection diagnosis yep. and treatment what do we need to know Okay, so uh, it's very common disease. Actually, it's more than we, we think. For, for example, <clears throat> when the dogs or cats, for example, come to the clinic with a mouth problem, people exactly, they start to think that it's uh, just a dental problem 
or a mouth problem and could be a renal issue or a kidney problem. So it's much more common than we see in, in general. Why animals are not drinking as much water they needed. Uh, some breeds are more uh, often get this problem. For example, in cats, we have Abyssinians, we have like mm-hmm. a Persian cat. And habits can have this, can, can give this trouble as well. And in dogs, it's more common in some inbreed dogs. So if we have intensive breeder <clears throat> that we're breeding a lot, for example, some, we, we, we talk about the, the, the most popular uh, breeds in, in England, for example. We talk about Dalmatians, Cocker Spaniels, and these this, this dogs for dog shows, they were intensive inbreed. So they can carry a lot of problems. And the most common at the moment that we have seen is kidney problems. Um, so as I said, Jarvis is on a renal diet. What role does nutrition play in the management of kidney disease? Uh, basically, save the, give him a quart of life. Because remember that w- why the kidney gets, it doesn't work because it cannot filter well. So doesn't remove... I, 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 I don't want to say too much stuff on, on the radio to, to make confusion, but basically have to remove the impurities. So protein, we mm-hmm. have to remove basically the protein. So and kidneys, damaged kidney, kidneys cannot remove the protein as fast as he has to, okay. especially carnivore that is cats and dogs. They eat a lot of meat or supposed to the diet has a high quantity of protein and quality of protein. So this damage even more the kidney. So we have to put him in the diet. So basically the kidney diet is more in fat. So we substitute fat for or, uh, you've, got, you've got me a bit worried now about the kind of treats we're giving him. Do we need yeah. to be concerned about that as well? Yeah, I actually the, the, the animals that are with me uh, under under kidney control, we, I stop completely the the. the oh, yeah. Jarvis, bad news, boyo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Doctor Sergio is with us today. If you want any clarification, if you've got any issues around kidneys in your household, get in touch. You're also more than welcome to give us a call. Ricky has been in touch. He's got a pup. Hey, Helen, uh, this is Ricky. Um, my three-month-old uh, German Shepherd, his name is Coco. Um, he's got his, uh, I think he got his third vaccination, the booster. And I live in Springs and I make him walk and do his business in the garden itself, uh, my private backyard. But I'm dying to take him out um, in the park, um, outside in the common area. But three of my friends been telling me that um, he's too young or he has to get his vaccination uh, done completed so can you kindly educate me when is a good time to take the pup <clears throat> to the common areas to interact with other and social with other uh, puppies hi ricky hi coco dr sergio what comes to mind so three month old german shepherd puppy is the breed important in your answer yeah but <clears throat> let me explain what's what's it's the most important uh, remember when the, the dog, it's dog or cat, received the, on the first day of life, they received what we call colostrum, the, the high quantity of uh, immunity on the first day. In between the, f- I can say, second month, between second month of age to the fourth month of age, it means 60 days to 20, 120 days old, he has no immunity, autoimmunity, what I'm talking about is own immunity. Mm-hmm. So his mother immunity is passed by him. So for the first day, till the 60, the immunity drastically going down and he doesn't have his own immunity until because his, basically his body is just building experience. I'm talking about immunity experience. Mm-hmm. So he basically doesn't have immunity from her mother, 
from the 60 to the 120 days, I mean four months old. He doesn't have his own experience. And by the way, during this time, the virus, this most active virus, is know the place. So they, they be very active during this time. And the animals are just multiplying itself. So this is a perfect storm. So this is, that's why I'm, I'm not allowed my, my, my patients to go out. Before, it doesn't matter if you take three shots, four shots, five shots. The age is super important. Four months old, no more, nor less. Between 60 to, to 120 days, that's the age. It has to stay at home. So you get out of that danger zone and then you yeah. can take some walkies with Coco Ricky. Really hope that helps. Dr. Sergio with us today from Intervet offering up the answers that you need. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, groundbreaking science, life-changing nutrition. Well, Dr. Sergio, I hope you've had a coffee today because you're a very busy <laughs> man. We are going to go to the text line next. Grace wants to know, why do some cats refuse to drink water from a bowl? Okay, like us, <clears throat> we always compare to people. First of all, for the habit, some cats like to drink from the tap straight away. Uh, and cats like uh, when we have a, a movement in the water. So, for example, Fontaine could be very good. This is good for him. He can also drink from the tap, like some, some people they're allowed, or for some kind of like a, like a big bowl. Mm-hmm. Small bowl, they don't like – most of the cats doesn't like to drink in the plastic bowl. And you need, this is, could be a sign for you guys as well. Please uh, wash well because I have seen people sometimes they say, my cat refused to drink the water from this bowl. And I agree with the cat. <laughs> because the – Just standards. Yes. Uh, hygiene is extremely important. And remember, cats is very clean animals. If they show you some, some stuff for you, it's okay. So people can say, no, 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 but my, my bowl is always clean. Okay, could be exactly the opposite. Maybe smelling chlorine, for example, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Clorox or something like that. So they are, of course. So I like to use for cats. If we have some, I would say, uh, uh, like a glass or... Like uh, a ceramic or metal. Ceramic, yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry, guys, my English is some sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ceramic could be the best. Okay, so they're they're just exerting their preference, but it can be as particular as the bowl not being to their liking or not clean enough. Isabella saying Gucci, I love this. Gucci loves drinking water only from a fountain. Of course, yeah. Gucci sounds like a <laughs> fancy guy. Yeah, too right. I love your names on messages. I mean, I love your names, but I, I also really like your pets' names too. So make <laughs> sure you include those. This has turned into a bit of a cat corner. Gino wants to know: Is it okay to cut your cat's nails? Uh, yeah. Uh, I feel especially inside. <clears throat> if your cat is not allowed to go outside, if you have this indoor cat, it's better to cut the nails. But remember, don't cut too short. People come too often to my to my my, my consultation just to say, uh, my cat is leaking too much as paws, and sometimes it's after the, the the grooming. And by the way, the grooming are pressure by the owners to cut very short nails. So don't cut too short. Respect the the, the bleeding and respect the veins as well, close to the so just. Enough. Just gave me shivers. This is where scratching posts can be good as well, so they can, they are indoor cats too. So, yeah, it can be done, but proceed with caution and be conservative. Would that be fair? Um, I I like to cut, but I like to filing the the nasal. I believe filing is is even better. Okay, hope that helps, Gina. Let's talk cats' diet. Bella wants to know is it okay for cats to eat? olives we have got some fancy cats listening today even i haven't re- kind of matured enough to like olives um is it safe guys i don't know <laughs> i'll be very honest with you i don't know some questions come to me very creative <laughs> 
I will research about this I, stuff. I'm going to have a little Google right now. Um, and I love this question saying, can a cat sense when another cat is sick? What's your take, Dr. Sergio? Yes, 100%. They feel exactly like we're doing for our own species. So it's normal for species to species. They're feeling uh, if this or that guy is not, uh, not well. And of course, there's communication between species. So the cats communicate each other so they know when they're sick. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is 100%. This is a thing. I've just Googled, can cats eat olives? Yes or no? I don't know. <laughs> Not dangerous, safe in very small quantities. So don't go wild at the Spinney's deli counter. <laughs> okay, just little less than a whole olive a couple of times a week should be fine for your kitty if they've eaten olives in the past without any negative side effects. Um. Toby's been in touch, staying with food, or not really food. Um, Toby wants to know, any ideas about why my young dog, Bob, great name, is eating soil? He's fed on kibble. I have started giving some tinned meat after reading that there can be a link with anemia. Yes, uh, because remember, soil can be full of iron, So, <clears throat> but also there are some habits as well. So remember that animals can get easily used to eat something else. It's quite common to have in adult dogs, some dogs eating stones or something like that because they start to doing this when they're in early stage of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, it's better to just to check it out, deworm properly. In this case, if the dog is below four months old, I deworm maybe 15 days in this case. But of course, I, I don't want to give prescription by, by phone, so it's better to contact your, your, your closest vet and see what's, what's going on. But my experience, this is related with uh, anemia most of the time. Okay, really hope that, really, really hope that helps. As I said, lots of questions coming in this afternoon. Joining us live in the studio from Intervet, we've got Dr. Sergio. We have been talking a lot of cats there. Up next, we are going to be turning our attention to our doggy friends. Uh, we've got a message about an itchy French bulldog. Uh, we've also had a really, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to get your take on this, Dr. Sergio. Andrew's been in touch and her little dog is grieving the loss of her big dog. So we're going to talk about some emotions when it comes to that. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. Talking all things animal now, we've got Dr. Sergio with us from Intervet. It's lovely to hear from so many of you and hoping to help out as many of you as possible over the next few minutes. Um, We have had so many messages. I'm going to try and get through as many as we can. I I truly want to be able to helping out so many of you. um, Sarah's been in touch on 4001 saying, my dog is going for surgery. The vet is asking for pre-blood work. How necessary is this and which ones would you recommend for athopedic surgery? Okay, can you tell us what, tell me if I first of all said that correctly and what orthopedic surgery is? Orthopedic surgery, is, uh, yes, uh, extremely important. <clears throat> Let's say blood work. Why we have to see the blood work, especially for to see if the kidneys and the, the liver, it works properly to remove the anesthetic from the body. So it's extremely important. Uh, CBC and biochemistry are together are the main key to have a healthy and safe surgery, especially surgery over 30 minutes time. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is more of a behavioural question, but I'm wondering if you can shed some light on it. Andrew's been in touch saying, Hi both, our small dog is nearly six. We got her as a puppy. She had big dog and cat as her companions. The three of them made a little pack and would play together. Our cat sadly died in January. Small dog was sad, but clung more to big dog, who sadly passed in June. 
Since then, small dog has been really unhappy. I've tried everything, new interesting walks. She won't go into the garden by herself. She won't play. She won't go to the toilet in the garden. So we do more walks that she doesn't enjoy. Appetite remains unaffected, thankfully. But she howls if I go upstairs or into the garden and is constantly demanding food or attention. She goes crazy with excitement if she sees another dog in a walk, any dog, and then whimpers all the way home. Life is, in, in a way, easier with only one. But I think she doesn't know how to be alone. The vet has suggested antidepressants and I don't know if medicating her is... Is the answer. If Andrea and small dog came into <clears throat> clinic, what would you be suggesting, Dr. Sergio? Uh, the same I suggest for some people with depression. Uh, fresh air, stay with your friends and adopt another dog as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is a cycle of life. So animals are not, I, I love animals and this is my profession, but animals teach us that one day we are the next. So unfortunately, we, I advise him to adopt a kitten. We need a lot of people to adopt animals at the moment. So my advice is help somebody else that he needs in any shelter. Or adopting any kitten, go to my clinic. I have three at the moment for you. If you want to adopt a dog, I have a dog straight away for you. So need to add, add, add to the family. Yes, add one member to your family. Okay, all the very best and give small dog a squeeze from me. We've got another Helen on the line now. How are you, Helen? I understand you've got an itchy bulldog, so to speak. How, what's going on? <laughs> that sounds quite rude. I yes, didn't want to say it as soon as I said it. As soon as I said it. <laughs> Tell um, us, what's, yeah. what's the name of the French bulldog and what's been going on? Okay, so my Lulu, Lucy, she is six years old and she has an incessant itch in her ears. It's um, been treated, um, creams, sprays, antibiotics, blood work, cones on for about three to four months. She just really, it just seems like it's a habit more than anything else. We've changed food. She, I mean, she went for a stage of eating salmon and steak and everything else and all the veggies. She's very fussy with her food, so we give her what she likes to ensure she eats. We're just at a loss now because it's just, constant constant scratching and we try to stop it but nothing we do works okay any advice it sounds like you've run the full gamut of tests and treatment and it's interesting thinking that you know is it habit is it you know a bit of a behavioral tick so to speak but dr sergio Mm -hmm. was saying maybe maybe not if if helen was going to come in by the way very weird we're both called helen we've both got six-year-old dogs called lucy weird (laughs) Um, so if lucy and helen were going to come into your clinic dr sergio and given this this history that she's provided now what would your next step uh first of all we do a a allergic test i believe this is very much looks like a she has some some issue some what what kind of things would a bulldog be allergic to french bulldog uh can be allergic to many things i got one french bulldog he was allergic based to all kind of protein he wasn't allergic to egg and fish only and most of the diets are based in chicken and we have chicken or chicken uh, meat and it's okay so when it comes to the gold standard then of allergy testing what is done can you walk us through what you'd be you know taking samples of and and ultimately what you're looking to identify we have one one kind of uh one test that i like it i I don't want to say the name of the, the the company but but just just to let you know and we can say basically from for all aspects, not only one kind of protein, but basically all the, the, the allergic, possible allergic uh, stuff that you can have. So chlorine, 
test minerals and and this is it's I believe this is a, the full panel. It says very complete. I, I think so. So we'd be looking. Can I give to her free consultation? Yeah, absolutely, Helen. Okay, I'm Helen. going to send you Dr. Sergio's details on on the text okay, line so you can connect. You. And at least that way we can you know get that medical side addressed. If it does come as yes. you suspect it might be down to a behavioural thing, um, let's get Dr. Katrin on from German Veterinary Clinic because she's a real expert when it comes to yeah. the kind of psychology of of pups as well. So let's rule out the allergy side with Dr. Sergio and then we can look at the behavior. Does that make sense? And Helen, just to let you know, could be both. Yeah. It could be both. It could yeah. be both. Okay. Yeah. All the very best, Helen. Thank you so much for getting Thank in touch. You, Helen. And, and hi to your Lucy as well. <laughs> right, we've run out of time. I knew it was going to go fast. So we had so many questions. Anything that we couldn't get to today, I will put in the pot for next week's Pets and Vets. Dr. Sergio, in the meantime, where can people find you, both in real life and online as well. <laughs> okay. Online, I have my Instagram. We have our Facebook page in the clinic. And our clinic is located to Awasa Road, Villa 1234. That's easy to remember. Yunsen Kane, too. Yeah, very easy. Thank you so much. If you want to search those details, just send me the word pet. Can I, I say will... hi to my family? You can hi. say hi to whoever you want. Bye, Dudu. Bye, Flavia. Bye, Mariana, my kids. Oh, <laughs> bye, my I dogs. Bye, bye. Bye, gang. <laughs> He's a superstar, your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sergio from Intervet. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.